Rhonda, we welcome back into 10 Radio Studio, Susie Grogan. Good morning, Susie. Good morning, Eddie, and good morning, everybody else, and welcome to Talking Books. It's a few weeks since my last live show. I lost my mum a month ago, and no one can really prepare you for that. Um, There's been many a time in the past few weeks when I've needed to escape into a good book, and that seemed the very best thing to do. Uh, Talking about books and knowing how much my mum loved poetry, novels and non-fiction might have been too difficult on the air, but now I'm... Ah, is that Lionel? It is Lionel, yeah. (laughs) Now I'm less likely to blub and much more likely to celebrate the things that she enjoyed so much. So I'm happy to be back and thrilled to have a special edition of the show and even more thrilled that Lionel's just walked in through the door. (laughs) I've got a good reason for being late That's all right, you're not very late. (laughs) Um, I've got a special edition of the show, 20 minutes longer to make up for my absence and to introduce two guests. Writing in a similar genre, ones that regularly cross over, I would say, but they might disagree, and in very different ways. Now, one of these guys is going to be very familiar, and the first may be less so. Um, Guy Thayer is a Devon author who's blended thriller and sci-fi with sort of historical fiction as well, would you say? You go back a bit in time, don't you? Into what he classes his accidental novel. Um, Lionel Ward, however, who's with us, is well known to 10 Radio listeners. He's the owner of the fabulous Taunton independent bookshop, Brendan Books, and organiser of the Taunton Literary Festival. He has now taken that brave step, publishing and selling his own work, a literary crime thriller based in, you guessed it, a bookshop. So welcome both, and thank you for being part of the first extended edition of Talking Books. Hello, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Can I tell you why I was late? You can. It's good news. If it makes you feel better. It does, because uh, I was just going out the door. Yes. And then someone came in and said, we've got Terry Waite <gasps> coming to the Literary Festival. Oh, November. fantastic. Yeah. Yes. And uh, he'd sent me an email, which didn't arrive. <laughs> so oh. He told me. He thought I knew all about it. So... That's, That's a coup. Very good news. Wonderful. Yes, very good news. And you're coming in again later in the year to talk to us about the festival, Absolutely. aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. In November. So, um, yes, Lionel's a bit of a regular on the show, really, aren't you, Lionel? But this is about something new. Um, and before we talk about your individual work, I was just going to talk to you a little bit about this genre issue, because um, how do you, important do you think it is to... I was just having a quick chat with Guy, and it's... Um, this genre thing how important is it now do you think to fit into a category well from a bookseller's point of view um, we categorise well from the shelving point of view I suppose it's easy we do have a crime (laughs) section and a a fiction section but of course um, especially in recent years they have become mixed up a bit you know Mm. there are certain writers that are crime writers but do something a little bit more you know Mm. They put some supernatural angles into it or or something that's very definitely science fiction. Well, well mine's easy because it's what we term cosy crime, you know, so it's it's in that tradition. Of, you know, it's not, there's not much psychology there. No. <laughs> not, 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 <laughs> I'm not so sure. I might come <laughs> on to the psychology side of it later. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it's in that, that sort of uh, tradition of things like, I, I don't know, Agatha Raisin and uh, things like that, you know. So, uh, yes, yes, cosy wh- crime, mystery. more popular, really, is the, the, the deep psychological yes. thrillers and serial killer type things. Yes. That, what about women being stalked the, and yeah. things? Yes, I know. That, that does seem to be the current fave. If yeah. you can write one of those, you're, yeah. you're fine. Now, Guy, mm-hmm. you published The Wrong Stuff late last year, and we've been talking about your publishing issues, but you, you, the, how you actually came to write it is actually really rather fascinating, isn't it? Because it's not your traditional, let's sit down and uh, Well, it seems to be to other page. people, yeah. Um, it's just how I write things, really. I'm not... Uh, uh, I would not yet... Uh, describe myself as an author I'm a blogger really um, I have a blog Diary of the Internet Nobody which I've had for five or six years uh, which I write under a silly name and uh, I've been involved with uh, another blogger called Linda Hill who's Canadian who posts a uh, writing prompt every Friday uh, which is basically one word usually or maybe just a few letters and the idea of it is everybody that takes part in the um, feature writes something, doesn't have to be fiction, anything they like, based on that prompt 
in one go it's called stream of consciousness saturday the the, the um, feature so you get the prompt uh, on the friday on the saturday you sit down and you write something until you've finished writing whenever you fancy stopping and then you just post it without editing it without doing anything at all uh, and the first time I took part in it, I thought, oh, I'll write a short story. I haven't written one of those yet. The blog had been going for a few years then, and I've written all sorts of nonsense on there. Um, and um, so I wrote a short story, and I posted it. Again, just literally made it up as I go along from the word, one word. It might have been two letters, I think, the first one I wrote. Uh, and it seemed to be quite easy to do. So I did that every week for the next, I don't know, few months. Just wrote a short story about something completely different based on one word, literally. I open the email with the prompt on it, write an introduction, and then start writing, and then finish writing, and post it. I did that, and people seemed to like them. They wrote about different things, with science fiction, with some thrillers, with some that were vaguely comedic. Um, and then one day, I think Linda was on holiday, actually, and somebody else was um, hosting a blog for her, and they posted the word stuff, just that word. So I started writing this... Um, short story which was called the wrong stuff which again didn't really have it i've never planned anything i never write anything down first i'll just start writing and see what happens and uh i started writing this thing which was about a woman that went to an auction and bought a box which had just got the word stuff on it sort of mystery auction just bought a random box of stuff uh and then took it home and i'd written quite a long what was going to be a short story and I got to the end of I don't know a couple of hours or whatever it is I usually spend writing on a Saturday afternoon and uh, and I thought I'm not going to finish this I know I'll use next week's prompt and use that to finish it with uh, and then I got a bit carried away and it just sort of took off on its own and I never really know where stuff's going so I just kept doing that and each week I'd go back and see what the end of the last week's one was and think oh right that's where we got to okay open the new prompt and write another one and I did that 35 weeks in a row or something. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> until I got 50,000 something odd words, uh, at which point I thought, well, that's sort of finished now. Um, and in the previously, I'd had a few of the short stories that I'd originally written. All Every single short story I've written so far has been from a writing prompt, written completely off the top of my head, unedited. Uh, and I'd sent a few of these off to a publisher and they'd put them in anthologies of short stories which had been sold for charity and things like that. So I literally took all the little blog introductions out of the posts that I'd written this, what turned into a serial, uh, and stuck it all together in a Word document and sent it off to her and said, look, here's this, it's quite long, it's sort of book length, do you think it's worth me doing anything with it? You know, polishing it up, editing it, mucking about with it to see if it's worth you doing something with. Where did you send it to? Uh, the uh, publisher's called Atla Publishers. They specialise in new writers. Uh, they published your short stories. They, they're the ones that published the, the anthologies, but they were with a, a collection of other new writers as well. So I had three or four in each one. And I, then they asked me to write introductions to things and a couple of other things. Um, introduction to a cookery book bizarrely I don't know why um, and uh, uh, two days later I got an email back from her saying I've just read this I think it's really good I'm going to write it, publish, uh, pass it on to one of my colleagues to read which she did and then about a week later I got an email back saying we'd like to publish it exactly as it is I said well it's just written you know, off the top of my head, doesn't it? Stream of consciousness. Yeah, and um, so they found four typos in it, apparently. Uh, uh, and this is... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and at no point, at no point uh, by this time had I even read it again myself. I'd started writing the first episode like a year beforehand or something, done it weekly, and then I'd literally just gone back to the end of each episode and read the last couple of lines and thought, oh, right, there we are, and then carried on writing the next bit. And then just squashed it all together in this document and sent it to I'd never read it from start to finish all the way through uh, and I have only done so once since then just when I got the book back um, uh, and uh, they seemed to like the way it was I said to her well it is just written you know completely on the off the cuff so to speak and she said oh no we like the way that's done I said Okay, <laughs> I was well, quite. I, I was a bit stunned. To be it's honest, it's a marketing. It's a you, you can actually say this is an unconventional way of writing a novel. Yeah, the, the the main thing which people seem to have picked up on. I've done a couple of other interviews for local papers and another radio interview and things. And the one thing that everybody has picked up on and obsessed about is the fact that I've written on my phone because I don't have. I've never owned a computer ever. 
So uh, I have four or five blogs. I do a lot of photography and animation and video and making mm. music and all you sorts use of other things. Smartphone. And I've never used a computer. And this is how mm. I wrote the book as well. I designed the cover myself on the book. I did everything. I do everything on my phone, uh, which is just normal for me because that's what I do. But uh, I mean, everybody. The, the local paper, the headline was Local Man Writes Novel on Phone. Um, somehow that got leaked onto the press and there was one of the little... Uh, it was in the sun in one of their little square box things and the main thrust of that was Devon Man Writes Novel on Phone, which I'm trying to get away from, so that's well, the last thing know, I'm saying about that. It's an angle, isn't yes. it? And uh, unfortunately, in the modern world, you have to market your books. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's not with the quality of the writing. And you do, have to, you do have to have a new angle. I mean, yours is, in a sense, what everybody is told to do, isn't it? We're all supposed to sit down and just write and then you just keep writing and you make a habit of it and that's the way well this Ultimately, is the thing they, they you, you're supposed to bring your work together but then you're supposed to cut and cut again and edit aren't no, you Which i mean the idea the opposite of the, to what you've the done. stream of consciousness saturday feature is you're really not supposed to edit anything at all but because I use my phone and I use the swipe system, which is the single finger typing thing, yeah. uh, which has predictive text and all the rest of it, yeah. in there, occasionally it'll put the wrong word in, so I have to correct yeah, it as I'm going awkward. along. But yeah. I'm uh, perfectly, honestly, hand on heart, when I finish writing, that's it. I don't do anything else. I just hit post and off it goes. So I don't go back and edit anything that I've written already. It's all edited as I go along just to get rid of typos and stuff. Um, and like I said, the only thing they found was a couple of inaccurate capitalizations and a few letters missing and stuff from the, from the um, first manuscript I sent them. Um, and but you're, I mean, the reviews have been that you've had. The reviews been, are all been excellent. Really positive. Yeah, they're, they're all everything. Yeah. Uh, the only two that I've had on Amazon that aren't five star reviews both say something like, "I never give five star reviews on Amazon." So yes. it's four and a half. So here's four. Do, yeah. Yes. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm quite pleased with the reaction to it. Um, and you just it, like to sell some more. Basically. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, and yeah, they and did that within before they'd even published it, before it was even printed. They asked me because it's got a slightly open ending. Are you going to write a sequel? Because we liked that as well. And I, was, <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Um, but I'm in the middle at the moment. I've been again. I've written a few since then because I'm still take part in this feature every week, and I still write a story each week. And then I started writing a new one, which is called The Accumulator, which I started another thirty something weeks ago, which is still going, which is even more peculiar than this. I don't think it's ever likely to be published because it's a sort of hybrid between a, a TV shooting script and a novel. It's it's there, bit, there have been it, some a, interesting ones, haven't there? Yeah, I mean, it's I a very mean. odd format, and it's it's again, it's just sort of had a bit of a laugh of its own. So I'm not quite sure when that's going to finish. But when I finish that, um, I will have to start trying to write the the, the um, sequel to this, which I'm I'm sure won't be difficult. The whole point of the when I finished writing what was the serial to start with, before I even had the, in, any idea that it might get published, I was already planning on bringing back at least the lead character in another blog mm. serial, mm. just because I like the character and one of the others as well. Uh, so I'll do that. But yeah. I have never, ever sat down and thought, right, I'm going to write something now. I just wait for someone to give me a prompt and go, oh, that'll be interesting. What shall I write based on the words, the letters K-E or something, which I think is what I based my first short story on. Um, and, and then just make it as I go along. If I think, I think if I sat down with a, a a big legal pad and tried to outline a story and things, nothing would happen. <laughs> the, the, do you want to read us a little bit so that we can get a flavour? Because I did, I did have a look at the beginning. And there's a few rude words in there. Uh, yeah, so I did. Often, so uh, we need I to find a clean. I, I should point out, I am 50 years old. But when my mum ran it, read it, she rang me up and complained that there was too much swearing in it. There's not much swearing in line, or something. <laughs> no. Yours is um, very proper. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll read you a, a short. I'll read you a short extract. The uh, the um, this is close to the beginning. Um, Hannah, the lead character, has been to the auction and uh, brought her box of stuff home. Uh, this is part three, the moment of truth. Hannah sat in the kitchen listening to her late husband's expensive coffee machine making asthmatic wheezing noises on the worktop behind her while she stared at the box on the table. Beep! A simple electronic noise that nonetheless managed to sound imperious and superior informed her that a minuscule thimble full of horribly bitter and overpriced coffee was ready for her to burn herself on, and having retrieved it from the fiendish machine with only minimal second-degree scalding, she drank it while gazing absently out the window at the fields behind the farmhouse, going over the evening's bizarre events in her head. 
She was more intrigued than ever to find out what her mystery purchase would turn out to be, but since the inordinate amount of interest shown by the equally mysterious Mr Forrester, she was also suddenly nervous about discovering what opening the box would reveal. Hannah took another mouthful of eye-watering coffee, shuddered, stood up and poured the rest down the sink, before carrying the box into the living room and placing it on the table while she poured herself a real drink. She took a couple of fortifying gulps of gin with a hint of tonic, leaned forward and ripped the tape from the top of the box masked stuff, slowly folding the soft, much-handled cardboard and looked inside. Her heart sank. Was this it? Hannah reached in and took out the yellowed envelope that was under the lid, turned it over a few times to confirm that it was sealed and had no writing of any kind on it anywhere. She laid it aside. Then she carefully tilted the box on its side, tipped the remainder of the box's contents onto the table, making sure she didn't lose any of the smaller, unfamiliar components. Because that's what they clearly were, components of a larger object. Like a kit, said Hannah to herself. Like all those models Barney used to make when we were kids. Barney was our older brother, now living in South Africa, married to some gold mine heiress and disgustingly rich. And he'd been a regular little mechanical engineer when they were younger, building scale models of all sorts of things with working gears and motors and electronic components that looked similar to, but not exactly like, the ones spread across her coffee table. There were gears and motors here too, along with what appeared to be a clock face and an old-fashioned telephone dial, some very basic-looking headphones and a lot of neatly wound lengths of wire. The rest of it Hannah could only guess at, and even then she was pretty confident she'd guessed wrong. The box itself was obviously very old, just the feel of the cardboard told her that. Hannah had become quite a connoisseur of antique packaging since she'd been bitten by the auction bug. And the strange kit of parts, although it appeared brand new, had a vintage look, as if a designer from the past was imagining what futuristic technology would look like. Fantastic. And that was off the cuff. Uh, everything. But With all those... Oh, I think that's pretty good for just off the cuff. <laughs> well, I think you're obviously right and... Writing hardens. You're always yes, doing it. So yes. you can always do it because for me I have to get myself into it. Yes, know, me too. I don't write all the time. But I haven't I've never wrote a single word I'm fifty now and I haven't written a single word since I left school until I started my blog five, six years ago. Yeah. Well, and that was just on the on a whim from a friend of a friend who had a blog who'd I'd helped promote his site and he said and I'd been on Facebook and written a load of nonsense on there uh, and uh, he said why don't you start a blog so I did yeah. and, and initially it was just me writing opinion pieces and nonsense and comedy and just yeah. but it is a way in we had an author and I can't remember his name embarrassingly a couple of years ago at the festival and he wrote a, based in Exeter wrote a very good um, an anthology of poetry and he was ill he had cancer and um, so to bide his time while he wasn't working he, he got his sort of favourite poems and then made comments about them and put them on a blog and it was a wonderful story really because it was so people liked them so much mm. Faber mm. who were the you know the poetry people yeah publishers um, actually approached him and said we want to publish your book oh fantastic <laughs> he hadn't approached them at all they just scooted up you know mm. yeah. and uh, so uh, and so there are quite a few of these stories that begin with blogs you know well I'm doing one myself well, with my Keats posts because yeah, yeah. the Wordsworth Trust I write for the Wordsworth Trust now and they're going to do the forward to my posts about Keats because I think people like an emotional approach to things yeah. and blogging lets you do that I mean it lets you express yourself doesn't it in to 30 people to 100 people to nobody if you want to it's just a platform. and it's a way of keeping you writing it's yeah. sort of honing those writing skills mm. that, you know and I think there is a case you have to work it well I do anyway you have to yes, work I it do and too. your writing develops so you know, many people can just sit down and that's it just go but you th you seem to be doing that but you're doing it every week because you've got your Saturday yes. group so that's I would guess that's yeah, it's, uh, so I, you're ready I always feel a bit guilty when people ask me oh it must have been really difficult doing that so I'm like, no it wasn't really no. <laughs> well, it's, it's not because you're doing it all the time the very first story I wrote yeah. which it was called Fallen Idol I think which is on my blog should anyone be interested that's uh, a Graham Greene story isn't it uh, this wasn't <laughs> <laughs> And it was, it was literally, it was, oh, this looks like an interesting feature. I've never written a short story before. I'll have a go at that. Uh, and it was based on the two word, two letters, K-E. Uh, and, and I wrote it. And I thought, well, that was easy. 
So I thought I'll do that each week then, because at that point I'd never in. I had started writing a, a guy. A you do realise you are undermining the whole <laughs> yeah. of the. Writing. It's not supposed <laughs> you're just, to be. You're easy. not supposed to be sitting there <laughs> telling us it's a piece of cake. <laughs> this is why I've been a bit. You know, I, I I I tried to pretend that it was difficult, but I can't really. Uh, and I'm not. I don't say. I don't mean that in a in a contrived or you know conceited way. Mm. It's, it's, no, just, it flows. I mean, I mean some I some things lucky, I've written uh, I possibly aren't good, but then I write a lot of other stuff uh, that I put on the blog, thinking that was a bit weak, and that'll be the one that everybody thinks is hilarious. So, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Know. And you have, <laughs> your writing has got a, a tiny bit of cynicism in it, maybe. And Tiny, well, I'm, it's, like I am a bit cynical, possibly. Yes, yeah. yeah, I mean, I have fifty. My, yeah, I know. Yeah, it comes <laughs> to us One of my writing heroes is uh, Douglas Adams. Oh uh, right, well, uh, yeah, and, that's going to be. And I've always had a, a, a love of language and words and things, and I've talked for England. So uh, basically, my blog has always been just me talking. Well, writing let's, it down. Stop, let's just stop briefly, and we'll um, have your choice of music. Oh, good. Uh, because you're a great fan of Twin Peaks, aren't you? Yes, uh, although I if I started talking about was, that, you'd need an extra No, hour. don't even mention <laughs> Twin Peaks, because I came into a conversation between Guy and Eddie here well, about I, Twin I, Peaks, I, and I genuinely had no idea what was going I on. I should point out the name I write my blog under is Dale Cooper 57 Yes, you completely confused me, because your uh, email is that which as I well. did wonder, who <laughs> was that Dale Cooper? I did wonder I that. I had to actually that, ask Guy yeah, which name from, he wanted to. Yeah, I've always obsessed with Twin Peaks. So do you like Cherry Cake? Cherry pie. I'm, not, cherry really, pie, I'm not really a big fan of sweets, but yeah. I must say my wife, Rhonda, when the worldwide premiere of Twin Peaks, The Return, was on a few weeks ago, made me a beautiful cherry pie to uh, to go with the premiere, which well, I stayed up until 3 o'clock in the morning for. And coffee. Eddie, yeah. Eddie has found you Into the Night by Julie Cruz, which was... Wonderful. Your- that's right, no doubt the uh, number 57 is 57 varieties, isn't it? It is, because my dad worked for Heinz for 30 years, oh, so yeah. it's it was always music. part of my email. <laughs> 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 yeah, these two start, I, we won't I, I know We've only got an hour. I know. <laughs> Extended I, 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 know, I know the factory in uh, Neeson or Holston, yeah.
chatting away there as, as you were listening to Julie Cruz. A very atmospheric piece of music. Thank you very much for, for choosing that guy. And um, we're going to have another choice from Lionel shortly. And then hopefully by the end of the show, I'll have got a choice in for myself because I never get to choose a piece of music. <laughs> So today I'm determined to, whilst making sure that uh, Lionel and Guy get their full quota, of course. Now, Lionel, yes. you're a brave man, aren't you, really? To, or foolish. To, to, or yeah. foolish. You, you, you're uh, you're the owner of a, one of the, the, the favourite bookshops in Taunton. You're Thank the you. director and organiser of the Taunton Literary Festival. And now you've just bought Lamp out magazine. your own book. Pardon? Oh, the Lamp Magazine. I forgot to bring a copy. Oh, yeah. Yes, and yeah. he, he also the Lamp magazine. Yes, so you're extremely prolific in, and busy, and I've never met you without finding you dashing hither and thither. So, for starters, where did the time come? Time come from to actually write, and why now, possibly? Well, actually, I wrote most of it five about five years ago, right. <clears throat> and um, and I sort of just left it really. Yeah. What I did initially. Um, I wrote about 50,000 words and I sent it to somebody called, I think her name is Sue Johnson, she's called The Book Doctor, and she gives you an opinion for a price. Right. And uh, <laughs> she's well known. And, yes, and yeah, it's fair enough. It's good feed, feedback because, yeah. you know, if you give it to your friends, they're never going to tell you the truth. No, or, they aren't. Or if they do, they probably dishearten you. Especially if you say to them, don't yeah. tell me if you find any typos, yeah. <laughs> tell me if you don't like it. Yeah. And um, anyway, she gave me lots of good advice. She said she mm. liked it. That was the thing. So it encouraged yeah. me. She said mm. it was too short. It needed to right. be longer and had to be a bit more you know, complex to develop some of the characters. And I took her advice on board. And then, um, I, then I got too busy, as you're suggesting. Um, especially that was about when I started doing the Lamp magazine, yeah. um, which takes a lot of time. And... Um, so, um, anyway, last year was the 400th anniversary of Shakespeare's mm. death. Yeah, thought, we had a special and it, show. And it's got a Shakespeare theme. It's called the mm. Shakespeare theme. Mm. Um, so I thought I must get it out for the festival this year. Yes. And uh, I didn't, so I, I picked it up again and started rewriting yeah. and trying to finish it. And I didn't quite make it because I was too busy organising yes, the festival. absolutely. So I thought, um, I, I'll do it anyway because I've got mm. this far. So, so here we are in July. Yeah, it's I'm before the next it festival, Be- and it's yeah. before the next festival. I Definitely, thought. yeah, yeah, and the, um, it's interesting because I remember you coming in and talking about the festival once, and as yeah. you say, your book's called The Shakespeare Thief. Yes, and I remember you saying, "Why don't you come along? This chap is coming to talk about Shakespeare." <laughs> <laughs> And you can't help thinking, I mean, yeah. I don't know if he was a ghastly speaker or something, I'm sure he wasn't, right. but I, without giving too much away, yes. the Shakespeare expert in this comes to a sticky end quite at, right yes. at the beginning. Yes. And there, it's, it's that argument, that denier or acceptor of Shakespeare as the author of the... Yeah, you just need to get closer to the microphone. Um, as the author of Shakespeare's plays, you're a brave man to get involved in that argument. And, yeah. you know, is that what inspired you, having well, someone have, uh, who was likely to I, question I, I think I was inspired, really, by looking out of the window. Right. Um, I, I, you know, Rear Window, the film, the Hitchcock film. I've always loved that. I don't know if you know the story, but he... Um, oh, yes, he, he has a... I think it's a skiing accident. He's broken his leg. Mm. And he's in a flat, I think, in New York. And he's always looking out of the window. <clears throat> and there's another set of flats. And he sees what he, you know, everybody's doing mm. through the window. And, um, and something happens. You know, something strange happens. And then I've often thought that about Bath Place, you know, with all its little oh, community yes. of shops. Yes. And I was thinking, what if something happened? You know, you know, someone doesn't turn up for a day. Yes. And you think, they may, they're probably on holiday, but yes. what if it was something else? <laughs> so those sort of things were going through my head. And then um, the other thing we do, as you know, apart from the festival, we put on lots of events throughout yeah. the year, you know, authors coming to talk. Mm. And... Um, and then I thought, well, and I, then I sort of turned it round onto that. And I thought, sometimes, you know, we have these events, they're so busy. And um, I don't get a chance to talk to everybody. And I, at the end, I say, I'm sorry, I didn't talk to you. Or somebody will say the next day, I was at that talk, and I, I didn't actually realise they were there. <laughs> and, you know, there's this opportunity for confusion and 
You, you know this thing like uh, when somebody reports an accident to the police yes. and you get three different stories, people see the same oh, thing, but they all see it differently. So mm. I thought there's, there's something there. And I've shamelessly drawn on my experience of the bookshop. I've even got my bookshop in a modified form on the cover. I was going to ask and, you that. Uh, <laughs> you know, and there's lots of elements a lot of customers will recognise about. It's not mm. the exact same location, but it's similar it's a similar sort of shop, but not the same. I don't think anybody who reads this line is not either going to think of the shop or you personally. I mean, not knowing anything. Oh, I know that you're a happily married man, for <laughs> yes. starters, and and your hero isn't. No, no, it's, it's a very different character. Like but who wants happily married? You know, no, no, that doesn't makes, produce good drama. It does makes it? it very interesting, and there's, yeah. a, there's a touch of. If anybody wants to, I would recommend it. I'm more than. I only had it two days ago and I'm two thirds of the way through so I'm really enjoying the story and actually the characters are really good too if you can get Lionel out of your head (laughs) (laughs) he's called Elliot in the story he's Uh, he's not like me he's he's much younger than me apart from anything else Yes, I've been talking about psychology. I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. There is one character, and and most of the characters are sort of amalgams of characters, you know. Yes, what you're doing, fiction. You're rather dim till girls called Susie. I'm not quite. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But not with a Z. No, no, it's definitely not based on you. (laughs) No, it's all right. uh, But there is one person, and I don't know if you know Dear Madeline, who's been at the bookshop, who was at the bookshop when I first took it over 28 years ago. Oh, right. Uh, And she's still she's going to come on the night um, um, I've yeah. actually she's the only person where I've actually used some of the phrases I think uh, from, from, right. uh, uh, phrases that she's used and I I got her um, permission <laughs> yes um, so is she like the Aggie character is she yeah like, there's yes. elements it's, it's not her but it's there's some really, of the things she says yes uh, I mean, I want to actually say, lifted straight from her mouth yes yeah. and, and anybody who knows her will possibly yes. recognise yeah, it yeah. as well and I think it's a very it's a very warm-hearted story. There's a the, the bookshop is a happy place, isn't it? Yeah. And then something, something completely happens. untoward happens yeah. um, that kind of is this the opportunity for reading? Do you think? I think so. <laughs> um, I wanted to. Well, actually, I think you've answered most of the questions because yeah. you've basically said. Well, I can that talk about it afterwards right, as well if you no, like. No, 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 it's but fine. I think you've covered a lot of it. But yeah. yes, definitely read us a bit because it's yeah. always good to have a reading. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is this is right at the beginning. Um, I'm going to miss the very first bit out. But what's happened is this author, the Shakespeare expert, has come to called Nielsen, and that's a play on words because I don't know if you know Nielsen Book Data is yes. the main database that everybody uses. So mm. that's a sort of a joke, really, about it. And um, but anyway, the um, they've had the talk and they're ready to have the signing, and they can't find the author. So. Um, they look in all the obvious places, and uh, and then he decides he'll he'll go to the car park and have a look and see if he's maybe gone to his car or something. Um, so, when I reached the car park, I realised I had embarked on a hopeless task. I had no idea what his car looked like. I peered around in the vague hope that I would spot him. By the time I'd reached the other side of the car park, my eyes were hurting with the effort of looking. I walked back to the entrance to the ancient alleyway, which was believed to be at one time the main thoroughfare and route to London. It had once had a notoriety which belied its current status as a respectable shopping area. There had been an open drain running down the middle, carrying effluent from the courts and houses nearby, and it had been populated by sedan chair carriers and prostitutes before being rebuilt in the 18th century. I walked along the now quaint cobbled walkway, past the pleasant façade of terrace buildings that dated from that time and some of its current incumbents, a mixture of independent retailers, a butcher, a baker, a fish shop, a jeweller's, a hairdresser and a clothing shop. Finally, reaching the end of the alley, I came back to the courtyard and the bookshop, originally an art institute, long ago incorporated into the local university. I felt a pleasant, warm feeling, as I often did, as I approached its attractive frontage. The clock tower in the high street nearby chimed the hour. I usually found this a comforting sound and half expected to see Nielsen's smiling face on my return. In my experience, problems such as these had the habit of resolving themselves. However, when I entered the shop, I could see Esther surrounded by a group of customers clutching their copy of the book and I detected irritation in one or two of the faces. 
Esther appeared stressed and turned to me as soon as I entered the shop. Not in the car park? No, definitely not upstairs. I don't think so. I ran up the stairs for one more check. I remembered that I had not looked in my office. Could he have been locked in there by accident? Or perhaps he was making a private phone call? Simon Bonneville greeted me, picking up the conversation where we'd left off. Very good talk, Elliot. I must say you put on a damn good show. Thank you. Do you think there's any chance you'll sign my book? I hope so. Unfortunately, I seem to have lost him at the moment. I opened the door to the office and stuck my head around. No one there. That is unfortunate, muttered Bonneville, who was hovering behind me. Very unfortunate. I left him puzzling and started descending the stairs again. I met Esther on her way up. This is getting serious, she said. You'll have to do something. I must say it's rather rude, I heard someone say from the bottom of the stairwell. This was a signal for a lot of excited babble from the group that had now formed around the main serving counter. Susie, <laughs> not Susie Grogan, behind the till looked terrified. Esther was immediately behind me as I made the bottom of the stairs. I clapped my hands. Quiet, please, quiet. Esther gave the top of the serving counter a thump. Oh, sorry. Look, I'm really sorry, I smiled, putting on a brave face. We seem to have lost the author. I gave a nervous little laugh and felt like Basil Fawlty. Mrs Peters gave an audible sigh. I was so hoping to have my book signed. My grandfather knew his grandfather in India. Could I ask who's had their books already signed, I asked. A few hands went up. Not as many as I'd hoped. Someone must have seen him go, Esther implored. He seemed quite happy signing my book, said Mrs Adams. Perhaps he had an urgent call and had to leave, I speculated. I don't suppose he left some already signed. Esther dug into the pile of books and looked inside at the little pages, and then shook her head. There was a tug at my shirt. I turned round, irked by the intrusion. It was Bonneville's precocious grandson who had accompanied him for the talk while his mother was on some damn shopping expedition. "'He went off with a man with a beard just here,' said the young boy in his screechy, high-pitched voice, while pointing to his top lip. "'A moustache. That's it, a stosh. "'Which man?' Mrs K was at the back of the group of customers, raised her hand. "'I was awaiting my turn. He sort of pushed in from behind. "'I did not mind too much, as I was talking to Clive about... "'I can't remember now.' Isn't it annoying when you can't remember? It does not matter, I said, anxious to keep her to the point. I had in the past a number of meandering conversations that did not lead anywhere with Mrs K. Did he say anything? He was polite, you know, smiled, but he did rather mumble. Everything was sotto voce. But you knew he meant to have his own way. I could see Esther suppress a snigger, though she recovered herself. Did you recognise him as one of our customers? asked Esther. No, I'm afraid not. The boy is right, though. He did have a moustache and also one of those tiny beards. A goatee. Yes, a goatee. Did anyone else recognise him, I added. There were mumbled nose and another tug at my shirt. He went that way with the man. Bonneville's grandson pointed to the far end of the shop, which narrowed into the children's section. He was quite animated, I remember, said Mrs K, picking up on the thread of her earlier remarks, in a quiet sort of way. Mr Nielsen said he would be back in a moment. I thought it was all part of the fun. The boy trotted off to the end of the shop. Esther, myself and several other customers followed in a troop. At the end of the children's section was an L-shaped storage area for overstocks and display material. There was no door but a staggered entrance made up of a couple of freestanding screens. Bonneville's grandson ran straight between them into the alcove and rather comically ran straight out again. I told you he was there, he squeaked triumphantly. Oh, he's hiding from us, said Mrs K, mollifying the child. Why is he standing all funny like that, he continued. I stepped inside the alcove. He was, as the boy described, standing awkwardly propped against the wall of the alcove. His head was hanging down at an acute angle. His, his mouth was open, his tongue was prominent, and he was staring fixedly into space. Aha. Uh-huh. Aha. Uh-huh. 
the murder weapon is interesting, isn't it? In <laughs> yes, you <laughs> can't really say too much, can you? <laughs> I can't no, even pronounce there a, it. There is a murder weapon. There yeah. is a very interesting murder weapon um, that, that certainly is an un- I've never seen used before. Yes. And even in Midsummer Murders, where they use an awful lot of murder weapons. Oh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean... For me, I mean, what, what's interesting about it is that you could read it in lots of different ways. I mean, if you're a cricket lover, you'll enjoy it because yes. there's quite a lot of cricket in it yeah. at points. And, and some of my favourite bits of, 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 of the bits which involve cricket matches. Um, and it's, it's got, as I say, a sort of like a human relationship aspect to it. And it's got this crime aspect love, to it. Yes. Yes, very powerful, isn't love. it? Yeah. Yes, yes. This Esther is a very magnetic person. And it's it's genuinely got sort of something for everybody in it. If you were, I mean, it probably isn't psychological thriller. No, I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I no. think it's cozy crime. Was it? wasn't ever meant to be. No no, 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 no. Other than the psychology of the fact that you're a bookshop owner and you've written yes. a book about. I mean, the great the great thing is, um, you know, you, you can make things. I mean, a lot of it is that street that, that yes. I described. It's very much like Bath, Bath Place. Place. But I thought I wanted a clock tower there, and there isn't one. No, and there's no Chinese, university. You know, there's no university. Though the uh, the Art Institute was just across the way. It wasn't yeah. actually the bookshop, but it was is the building across the yeah, way. It's quite so a lot sort of, of it had some information in. Yeah. It really is the, quite the opposite from the way Guy's approached his yeah, sense, isn't yeah. it? In the, but he's used random prompts from outside yeah yeah got, i've just shamelessly used everything well, i know and just they always write what you bit. know don't <laughs> <they>? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the great thing as well is you can make all these um talk about literature in it you know yeah. made all these literary illusions yeah. and uh, although harry nielsen sang without you and i can't get that out of my head you know because he's called harry nielsen that yeah, chap yeah, that gets murdered yeah. isn't it and he yeah. sang without you Oh, did fabulous, he? Oh, I didn't fabulous know early 70s singer, Harry Nielsen. Right. So there you yeah. go. A few yeah. people will be remembering that. Hellraiser, I think, probably is a better description for him. Than Hellraiser. Yeah. yeah. And you don't think of that when you think of without you. <laughs> you do when really. you think of Harry Nielsen, though. <laughs> yeah. But the, the other thing I should mention, really, is, um, you know, the Shakespeare thief bit, is that yes. the talk on which they go over later on yes. is... Um, is, is based on a talk I did have at the bookshop, I mean, it's probably the one you're referring yes, to. Yes, possibly. And it was Ben Crystal who wrote a book called Shakespeare on Toast, and right. uh, it's sort of an accessible guide to Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And he came, and he's an actor as well. Uh, he was certainly based at the Globe Theatre, and he gave and get, did a talk in the bookshop. And but he also did a, an acting session mm-hmm. as well. And his argument was that the first folio are often the best editions. Because the later ones often altered some of the grammar and yeah. the text and so on, and the importance of that is because there was no <clears throat> real directing, you know, terms. Mm. Um, the 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 way it was laid out on the page, where mm. the full stop was, you know, whether it was staggered on the page, was your prompt to how you should say the line and how it was acted, you know. Mm. So, so, so it's, it's, having him giving that talk gave me a lot of ideas and. Uh, that's why I've acknowledged him at the front of the book. And you also, uh, and you, oh yes, I mustn't forget that. Um, and you also do mention um, the uh, quite a lot the the controversy about whether he actually wrote the plays. Yeah, which is a fascinating yes, uh, thing, it, actually. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Any, I think we're going to go to yeah. his music. You, Otherwise, I'm not going to get mine. You, you might not have. <laughs> you you do, you probably had Alexander War on here. You know of Alexander yeah. War, who's who's Evelyn War's grandson, yeah. and it's a great friend of the bookshop. Mm. And he is absolutely convinced Shakespeare didn't write the plays, and he's given talks on it in the bookshop. You yes. know, you're never that's convinced. That's supposing him. we even know who Shakespeare is. We can. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So it. It, it's a very um, <laughs> live issue. I don't think it matters really, does it? This part <laughs> Well, no, this I is it. This is what I said to him. I said, it doesn't matter who wrote the plays; they're brilliant plays. But mm. uh, but it does get people talking about it, and yeah. you know, so. Well, we're going to have a bit of rush now because um, you've chosen. Yeah, that's, that's what my second choice would have been. Oh, really? The first thing I thought of the spirit of radio. <laughs> well, the reason I chose rush, it's limelight. It's because it's a, the, the words are a parody of all the worlds of stage. Mm. Ah, right. Um, well, let's have a which, bit of that. Uh, you probably don't realise, but it appears at some point. I haven't got there yet, probably. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, that's another... See, you, you see Lionel standing quietly behind the counter in Brendan Books. Now... I didn't realise he's a hard rocker. No, there's a bit of headbanging going on uh, in the background. <coughs> Guy here's saying he would have he would have um, chosen Rush as his second choice. So I'm sitting here amongst men of a certain age, feeling completely <laughs> out of the conversation. Young Susan. <laughs> you, no, <quite> hardly. <laughs> <laughs> But clearly, you know, that there's a... I'm waiting for the hard rock bit to come into into the Shakespeare Thief. Now, we want to remind everybody what these books are called. Now, Lionel is actually launching his book officially at Brendan Books tomorrow. 1st of July. It is tomorrow, isn't yeah. it? Yes, yeah, yeah. 1st of July. 1st yes, July, yeah. I'm getting all confused. Um, Guys is available, you would say... On Amazon. On Amazon. Yeah. And, and I think it's on the Barnes & Noble website. But you're a tiny bit worried that maybe you aren't going to see any of the proceeds from it because your publisher's a bit naff. But nonetheless, it would be wonderful if Guy could sell some of his books. Um, so go on to Amazon and have a look for The Wrong Stuff by Guy Fair, which is T-H-A-I-R. But would you like to tell us what your blog address is in case people would like to go to your blog? Uh, yeah, if you go to... Uh diary of an internet nobody if you just pipe that into google you'll find it will be thousands of references to it uh, and look at the uh, stream of consciousness saturday short stories tab at the top of the page and there's lots of short stories on there which you can read for free go and find out more definitely the, the wrong, all the wrong stuff episodes have been removed obviously so people can't, so can't, can't read that cheat. for nothing yes. although the, everybody did read it obviously for free the, yes, the same when with it my first came out and out. a lot of people who read it initially on the blog have then gone out and bought it as well so they obviously liked it that's good you've got it. fans so you need to make the most of them I think they were probably hoping that it had been expanded <laughs> <laughs> well reading it all in one go and, and um, nine yeah, everybody's welcome to the launch tomorrow night. It's an open launch, so mm. and people can just turn up. If you think you know you're coming, it's good to perhaps just give us a ring so we know mm. how many to cater for. Mm. And it's at 7 o'clock at Brendan Books, and the book will be available from tomorrow. 
At Brendan Books. At Brendan Books. Yes. You yeah. could, and all the usual outlets, but if you buy it anywhere other than Brendan Books, you're stupid. It's basically. <laughs> <laughs> you can buy it online. We have a website yes. as well. A lot Absolutely. of people don't realise. And, yeah. and I can heartily recommend the Brendan Books service because if you want to order a book online, you don't have to go to Amazon and the big online retailers because. Uh, Lionel and everybody who works at Brendan Books will get a book to you as quickly as Amazon, in my experience. Mostly, yeah. yeah if it's but... a particularly niche subject, they definitely get it to you as mm. quickly. Uh, and I'd sign up to that. Uh, Lionel's got me several books within a couple of days, and often he gives me a little discount as well. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's your private discount. <laughs> oh, I didn't realise that. that on public radio, yeah. <laughs> no, but we very often can give discount as well. Yeah. No, and he's a great supporter. He's a great supporter of other writers, so do yeah. go along and support him in his Yeah, if, if generally, endeavor. we try and help local authors. If, if you're self-published and you can mm. give us some books, because we have a lot, we have a devoted section yeah, now. absolutely. Um, we're very happy um, to keep them in a few copies in the shop on a sale-return basis. You know? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so do go and buy it from there. Um, is there anywhere else we can find out about it? Are you on tour doing? Oh uh, no, sadly, <laughs> I, I should be. It, it'll probably pop up at the festival again, but that's not till yes, November. It must but be. Uh, yeah, um, well, I thought exclusive launch of Brandon Books, and then we'll have a think about it. But uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> if we've got any copies left, I, I haven't <laughs> seen uh, uh, Lionel's music choice. Uh, just imagine him going out on tour, a bit like the Who going on tour. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah you do yeah. all the literary festivals. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, and I think I think you ought to go and do readings because I think you've got the the right voice for reading from your work. Most definitely, you've got the you've got the slightly cynical air that means that you can <laughs> read slightly cynical things with the right. <laughs> it's humorous. I think it's great, and people love yeah. that sort of thing. So, can I have two uh, one minute just to mention some of the people who are coming up? Uh, literature festival in november i know it's a long way away i know i'm He's going to take up your time especially to talk about it later in the year yeah. Go on. yes it's just going. we've got some really exciting people as, as i told you terry wake's coming we've also got ha- andy hamilton the oh, right. yeah, yeah he's coming and we've got uh christian warmore the railway man coming we've got um these are just the bigger names if you like um some of the others are brilliant though martin bell coming Ooh. and uh we've got uh alan johnson the Ooh. former labor home yes. secretary i think he was coming yes. He's great series of books on his early life uh, and joanne fletcher who's on bbc2 story of egypt Ooh, yorkshire fabulous. very enthusiastic great presenter. and susie grogan's launching her new oh, book. The, the most important of all <laughs> sorry i forgot susie grogan who's brought out this book with a catchy title of Death, Disease and Dissection. <laughs> yeah, um, better make sure oh, we don't do it around lunchtime. No, absolutely. Some the of life the of a I've been surgeon apothecary, 1750 to 1850. Oh, but I'm sure it'll be just as fascinating as your They told me to be, find out lots of pictures of ghastly medical yucky things. So I had all yesterday doing that. It's not... It's not all writing, writing. <laughs> anyway, thank you both so much for coming in. I was just going to ask you quickly, have a quick 10 seconds. Who would, Guy, who would be your greatest influence as an author? Uh, I, I couldn't really say. I mean, my literary heroes, I suppose, would be Stephen King, Douglas Adams, Terry Pratchett. But I wouldn't say I'm overly influenced by anybody. But when I say influenced, might have encouraged you to want to write and to read. So those are uh, good as names as any, aren't they? They are. And I would also have to name check Darman Richter. And you should check out the Bohemian blog because he's the guy who got me writing and doing the blog in the first place. So check that out too. Brilliant. And Lionel? Well, um, for this book, it. You know, it, it's all a variety of all those crime, gold, the old golden age of crime people, yes. you know. But for general inspiration, you know, I, I still love people like Graham Greene, you know. I mm. keep coming back to him. I just love his writing. Yes, yeah. and there's he gets yeah. name check in the book, yeah. doesn't he, yeah. as well? So yeah. the temptation is always to include a little bit of your yeah. favourite. He's sort of on my mind because I, I put him on here, but of course there are lots of others, yeah. Well, it's brilliant. Thank you both for coming in. It's been my first hour-long 45-50 minute show and so apologies if it feels like it's not been managed in the usual way but there you go I've had two brilliant guests so we've had a laugh and talked about books which is always a good thing look up the wrong stuff look up the Shakespeare thief and um, uh, we'll see you next time I'll leave it to Eddie to see you out oh thanks very much Susie and thank you very much to your guests thank you thanks for inviting us and um, Susie you've got a request I have, and I never get a chance to choose them.
um, a record to play out and we've hardly got any time um, but uh, my very favourite and he's a great wordsmith terrific wordsmith is Neil Hannon from the Divine Comedy so this is Perfect Love Song and don't forget you can listen again to the community show on Monday between 4pm and 7pm and on Wednesday morning at 4am and 7am uh, you know if you're sort of marking up the newspapers for delivery by the record on Oh, I've got to tell the listeners. I've got to tell the listeners where they can listen again. You know. Um, anyway, right. Uh, Four a.m. to seven a.m. on Wednesdays. Right. The Divine Comedy and Perfect Love Song. Give me your love, and I'll give you the perfect love song with a divine. Beatles bass line and a big old Beach Boy sound. I'll match you pound for pound like heavyweights in the final round. We'll hold on to each other so we don't fall down. We'll give me a wink and I'll give you. One kiss I will whisk you away To where angels often dread We'll paint this planet red We'll stumble back to our hotel bed And we'll make love to each other Till we're half dead Maybe now You can see Oh 